0: Today we are finishing up our series, The Church Is Like. We've taken uh, the last month and a bit to be able to talk about different pictures that we see in the Bible of what the church is always supposed to be about. We started this series uh, when we came back into our gatherings together. As a way of being able to remind ourselves, this is what we're called to be. We didn't want to just kind of restart everything back up and do things the way we've always done them. We wanted to say, let's make sure we're going back to the best essence of what the church was always supposed to be about. And so we've looked at just how beautiful and diverse and amazing the church was always supposed to be. We've looked at the metaphors of family. We've talked about how the church is created to be the best version of spiritual family, a place where people can be authentic, where they feel accepted, a place where people are encouraged, a place where people are supported. We talked about the metaphor of a body, that we are all interconnected, that we've all got different roles to play, that we want to value the differences that we have amongst each other, but that ultimately we all come together under the headship of Jesus. And that week we also talked about the metaphor of an orchestra, and the reality that we all have different roles to be able to play, and when we all come together we can actually create something that's even more beautiful than what we could just do on our own, as long as we continue to follow the lead of our conductor, Jesus. We talked about the metaphor of a temple, that we have been created to be the place that replaces the Old Testament version of the temple, a place where people can have a tangible experience of encountering and connecting with God and a place where people can offload the stuff that they need to be able to offload and learn more about God the way that they would have through the temple. We talked about the metaphor of a beehive, that we are created to be God's workers and uh, that we all have work to do while we're here, but that we're also sent out to be able to do work out there as well. But again, that we all work together in that sense. And then last week we talked about the metaphor of a flock of sheep, recognizing that we follow our shepherd Jesus, and that's about building a trust relationship with him, where we learn to trust his voice, where we learn to trust in his provision for us, and where we learn to trust in his protection for us as well. And so it's pretty astounding when you stop and think that that's what this is supposed to be. And I've been really amazed that as we've gone through, even though they have been really, really diverse pictures that we've been looking at, there are some very common themes that have run through most of the weeks. The first one is that the picture that we've got is that the church is not about me, it's about we. The idea of the church just being about me is completely foreign to what the Bible talks about. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about the church meeting my needs or the church being all about me and my relationship with God. The church is always about we. It's always about a collection of people. And it's always about us working together and the ways in which we can serve each, serve each other and serve with each other. It's always about we, not just about me. We've seen throughout that Jesus is the one who leads the church. It's not my responsibility to lead the church. It's not up to our board, it's not up to anyone else. Jesus is ultimately the one who leads our church. We've seen that the church is also not just about one place or one time. We don't read anything through scripture where it talks about them having a church building That was very foreign to them. They spent some time going to the temple but the majority of what we read about in terms of the church is them all being together throughout the week, connecting with each other. So it's not about a specific place and nor do we read anything in scripture that talks about going at a specific time to church and sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that, that church is about coming to a building at a specific time but that's not the picture that we've got at all throughout all of scripture. Think about those metaphors that we've looked at. There's nothing there that talks about a specific place or a specific time. And the other thing that we've seen over and over again is the inclusive nature of the church. And this has particularly been challenged when uh, it was first being rolled out about the idea that the church was just for the people of God, the Israelites, the Old Testament version of what that looked like. But we see throughout that notion being very much challenged, that because of Jesus, the church is now open to everyone. It's very inclusive. And regardless of background, regardless of culture, regardless of race, regardless of sex, we all come together as the church. It's inclusive in that sense. So today we're going to wrap up by unpacking some of those things a little bit more as we look at a metaphor that I'm sure you'll be shocked to know is not a biblical metaphor, which is that the church is like a footy team. Now, oddly enough, that picture is not in the Bible. You may be surprised to know that, (laughs) Um, but you'll see that it is in there in a helpful way. Now pick the footy team because uh, this is something that most of us do have some kind of familiarity with. I thought about we could use things like a basketball team or we could talk about a soccer team but the reality is those are a bit more niche. Most of us have some familiarity with footy. Uh, but there's also the reality that a footy team is nice and big and so that's helpful as well because of the reality of how uh, people work together and the need to be able to rely on each other also intentionally made sure that I acknowledge more than one football team. That's not just because the one that I would like to acknowledge is terrible this year. That's because we want to be very inclusive as a church and make sure everyone feels welcome. So if your football team does not get a picture up there today, it's okay. Just translate it into your own mindset, uh, whatever team that might be. Now this metaphor actually came out of some workshops that we did towards the end of last year where we took some time uh, to be able to talk about pictures of the church that are helpful to describe who we are as a church now and who we want to become. And you might remember the beehive metaphor came from that, the orchestra metaphor came from that. But also this idea of a footy team was one that really resonated with us as we took some time to unpack uh, who we are and who we want to be. And the key thing that people talked about, or the key things that people talked about when we described this metaphor and said, well, why is that helpful for us, is that we talked about the idea of working as a team. And we recognise in a footy team, everyone's got to work together, and that's a helpful picture for us as a church that we'll unpack a little bit more throughout today. This idea of us working towards specific goals, so all footy teams are working towards a specific goal, and in the church, we have things that we're all trying to work towards together, but also this reality about the difference that a good coach makes for any football team. And so we have the best coach in Jesus, uh, and we recognize that all of us wanna be in a posture where we're learning from our coach constantly, recognizing that our coach wants us to be the very best that we can be, but also recognizing that there are other people who play specific roles, which we'll get into a little bit more in a moment, who help us again to be able to live under our head coach, Jesus, and to be able to thrive and be the best that we can be. So we're going to unpack a little bit about what that looks like today by looking at this passage from Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And what we want to dig into specifically is to say, okay, well, if we are a team, then we have some goals that we're working towards. And so what are those goals specifically, and what does that look like? So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Once again, Paul has managed to jam an awful lot of stuff into just a few verses here, so let's unpack this a little bit. The first thing that we do want to recognise is that ultimately Jesus is the head coach of our team. And so we want to start by saying, well, what kind of coach is Jesus? Let's think about that for a moment and think about the sorts of footy coaches that you have seen over the years of the different teams that you've supported. There are some coaches who are seen as what are called players' coaches. The players love playing for them because they know that that coach has their best in mind. Their coach is able to speak in a way that really resonates with them and makes a lot of sense. And generally, those sorts of coaches are extremely successful. We also know that at the other extreme, there are some coaches who really think that they're in a position of authority, and uh, they want to ream their players out, they give them nice good bakes at half time, and their way of going about things uh, is to be able to rip their players to shreds in the hope that they'll then step up and do the best that they can do. And we know that generally, there's a short fuse on how long those coaches end up lasting and how well those teams end up functioning. It's really important to hold on to that image because as we think about the idea of Jesus being our coach, we wanna say, well, what picture do we have of the way in which Jesus coaches us? Do we see Jesus as a player coach who really does have our best in mind, who comes alongside of us, who supports us and encourages us and cheers us on? Or do we see Jesus as a kind of authoritarian coach who just barks at us when we get things wrong and tells us off and we're kind of always scared of messing up? What sort of coach do you think that Jesus is? If we look back over last week and what we talked about there, we recognise that this image of a shepherd is a really helpful one for us to understand the sort of coach that we would say Jesus is, that when we look at that picture of a shepherd and sheep, we recognise that Jesus has the best interest of the sheep in mind, that it's about cultivating this language of trust, being able to understand each other, being able to look out for each other, the shepherd being able to provide for the sheep and allowing the sheep to be able to thrive. And so if we think about Jesus as a coach with those sorts of traits, that's what Jesus wants for us as well. And that's important to say because we then look at what Paul says here about the role of leaders within the church. And what Paul's saying is that in some ways, leaders in the church are kind of like assistant coaches. We need to make sure that we get that the right way around. Because sometimes we can think that being a leader in the church is like having to step into the role of head coach which is not true at all. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who's the head coach who sets the direction for where we're heading. But in a healthy footy team, you have assistant coaches who have specific responsibility for different areas. And they try to help their players be able to thrive based on their expertise. And so you think about it, you have someone who might've been a really great defender who becomes an assistant coach, who then helps the defensive part of the side to be able to do what they do well. You have someone who was a really amazing forward when they played footy and they become an assistant coach who then helps the forwards to be able to be the best that they can be. You have midfield coaches. You have these people who have specific responsibility to allow their players to be able to thrive. And in the church, Paul tells us, that's the same. We who are in leadership positions are like assistant coaches that we take our cues from Jesus with specific areas of responsibility to help people to be able to thrive and be the best that they can be. But there's a deeper question here as well if we wanna take this metaphor a bit further to say, well, what is the purpose of our times when we gather together? Is what we do on Sundays game day or is what we do on Sundays a training session? Because that then has implications in terms of the role that leaders play as well. Again, assistant coaches get the players ready for game day. They don't go out on the field and play. They have to do all this work behind the scenes and maybe a little bit of tweaking at quarter time, half time, three quarter time to be able to help the players. This is what you need to focus on. This is what you need to do so that you can flourish and so that you can thrive. But the assistant coaches never actually play the game. Is our expectation when we come and gather together on a Sunday that this is the game that we've been preparing for all week? Or is our expectation that this is actually a training session that's getting us ready for the game, which is living life, Monday through Sunday? It's an interesting challenge and there's lots of implications if you think that through. Because if we see this just as game day, then all of the work that we do during the week is to get ready for Sundays. And sometimes, I know I can be very guilty of focusing on that, and my attention is very much about what we're gonna do when we gather together. But if we change that and see it the other way and say this is a training session, then this is our opportunity for us to learn some new skills, to think about things from a different way, to get encouraged and inspired so that ultimately we can play the game the way that God wants us to when we leave here as we head out into the week. As we bring all that together then, we recognise that there are goals that we are then given to live out under our head coach with our assistant coaches helping to move us forward. And those goals are summed up really beautifully by Paul in two very simple statements, that our goals as a church, the whole focus of what we're here for is to pursue unity and to grow to maturity, to pursue unity and to help people to be able to grow to maturity. Paul says, ultimately, the reason that we exist as a church is so that we can be united under Jesus. At the end of the day, that's what we come back to over and over again, being able to focus on Jesus, be reminded about who Jesus is, be reminded about what Jesus has done and to centre our lives on him. Ultimately, that's one of the things that we're focused on as a church is coming back ultimately to Jesus and allowing a unity to come from him, not from anything else. But Paul really says that a key focus that we've got as a group of people who are journeying together is to strive to grow to maturity. Now, this word maturity is a really interesting one. It's used in a number of different ways throughout scripture and often it's translated as the word perfection or being fully developed. And so sometimes when you read the word perfect in the Bible, it can be a bit of a freak out. It's like, oh, I'm not perfect and I'm never going to be perfect. But this is the same idea, it's fully developed, growing to complete maturity And so Paul unpacks in the rest of the verses that we're going to look at what maturity actually looks like and what this goal is that we're pursuing together. In verse 14, he says, "...then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth." So the first thing that Paul says maturity is all about is having a solid foundation and this is why unity in Jesus is so important to us because at the end of the day we want to focus in on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us and not just chase after new ideas that come our way as they come up throughout the week or as different people suggest different things to us. Maturity means that we're secure in who we are, that we have a good understanding of what we believe and what we're focused on and what we're all about. Now, again, we can come back to our footy metaphor and recognise that a team ultimately sets a game plan and they put that in place and they say, this is what we're pursuing and this is what we're focused on. Now, if throughout the week the players decided, I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to what they're doing in the world of basketball or the world of soccer or what this other team is doing and I'm going to adopt that game plan and use that here, everything's going to fall apart. You can't just chase after all of these different things. Now we do recognise that some of the most innovative teams have been able to learn from other sports and to be able to learn from other teams and to grow and develop. But there's a difference between embracing that, thinking about it, thinking about how that applies, and just chasing after things randomly all over the place. And what Paul's saying to us is, continue to learn, continue to grow, continue to be open to new ideas, but don't just, this week I believe this, this week I believe this, now I'm all over the place. Have a sense of stability that ultimately comes back to Jesus. Paul continues in verse 15, where he says instead of being tossed all over the place, will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So here Paul gives us a couple more clues about what maturity looks like. First of all, it is about being able to speak the truth. So if we have a clear understanding of what it is that we believe, clear understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, then we're able to live out of that truth. But Paul does say, be careful about the way in which you do that. Again, as new ideas come your way, be careful about the ways in which you might push back against some of those new ideas. Always do everything that we do in love. Speak the truth in love. And we've talked about this idea before, of asking ourselves, what's the most loving situ- loving thing to do in any situation? As I think about any conversation I'm going into, as I think about what it looks like to speak truth to someone, how do I start with a posture of love, to say, what's the most loving way of being able to do this, rather than just going in with all guns blazing? And Paul then returns back to this picture of the body that we have unpacked previously, recognizing that all of us have a role to play, all of us have a part to play, and that maturity is actually about us working together so that we can all grow together into the people that God wants us to be. And again, this is where the metaphor of a footy team is super helpful, because if all of the defenders suddenly decided that they all want to be the ones who kick goals, the team's going to have some issues, if the key forward decided, do you know what, I actually think I would rather play on the ball and play in the midfield and get lots and lots of possessions, They would have some fairly significant issues. If an assistant coach suddenly decided, do you know what, I really miss playing, so I'm gonna get back out on the field and take over, there would be some issues as well. Everyone's got their role to play and when everyone works together, there's a sense of cohesion that generally leads to positive results. For us as a church, it's the same to say all of us have something to offer, but all of us have different things to offer. And so the best version of us looks like us working together with a common goal of being able to pursue unity and helping people to be able to grow to maturity in their lives. Now for some of you, I know sport is like, who cares about sport, who cares about football? That's more than enough talk about this. So I wanna give you a different metaphor as we begin to wrap our message up today. And that's the metaphor of a fruit tree. So hopefully this might be helpful for those of you who are not sporting people and don't care about footy. When we think about a fruit tree growing to maturity, we can take the same ideas that Paul is talking about here. A fruit tree has all sorts of different parts to it. So the roots that sink themselves down into the ground and anchor the tree into the ground receive the nutrients that come from the soil. The trunk that holds it stable, the branches that reach out, the leaves that ultimately have responsibility to take the nutrients from sunshine and using the amazing process of photosynthesis, be able to turn it into the good energy that's necessary. And ultimately, if all of those things work together, then maturity is the result, which is the tree bearing fruit. But it requires everything working together. And if the roots suddenly decided to say, do you know what, I really miss being able to see the sun, then there would be some issues. If all the leaves decided that they want to bury themselves in the ground, there would be some problems. Everyone has to work together, play a different role in order for us to be able to grow to maturity, which ultimately looks like us bearing the fruit in our lives that Jesus wants to produce for us. Now the big challenge that comes with all of this is to say that ultimately our end goal is to measure up to the full and complete standard of Jesus. Paul says that both in verse 13 and verse 16. Ultimately our goal as we pursue maturity is to become like Jesus. I don't know about you, but that feels very, very intimidating to me <laughs> to say, but Jesus is perfect. Jesus was amazing. Like, how on earth can I possibly measure up to be like him, reach his level of maturity? And part of the reason why we kind of say, oh, that's a bit scary, is because we think that that's what we need to do in order for God to accept us. So this idea of pursuing maturity is to say, if we can manage to get our act together enough, If we can pursue maturity enough, if we can become mature enough, enough like Jesus, then maybe God will accept us. But that's completely backwards. We don't pursue these things in the hope that God might accept us. We pursue these things because we know that God has already accepted us, that everything has been done that's necessary for us to have a full, complete relationship with God. We're accepted as we are right here, right now. And so this goal of pursuing maturity is not something that we do in the hopes of receiving something later. We do it out of the freedom that's been given to us in the here and now. We do it out of the recognition that there is a day that will come when we pass from this life into the next when we will actually become fully mature, when we will become exactly like Jesus. That day will come for all of us. But in the meantime, we have the opportunity to be able to explore what all of that looks like. In the here and now, to be able to continue to pursue maturity, to be able to speak the truth in love, to pursue unity with each other, to focus on the things that matter the most. So for the last time in our series, I'm going to ask this question for you to take some time to be able to reflect on. What would change if my first thought about our church was that we are a footy team. So, if you thought about Brooklyn Park throughout this week and thought Brooklyn Park is like a footy team, what would change in terms of your understanding about who we are and why we're here? Here's a few ideas and then you're going to have some time to be able to reflect. First one is it might be helpful to recognise this idea of Jesus being our head coach being able to say, if I understood that Jesus was the head coach of what we're all about, what does it look like for me to be able to learn from him? And maybe it could be about my perception of the sort of coach that Jesus is and being able to change what some of those dynamics look like. Along with that, it could be about the expectations on leaders and what the role of leaders are in the church. And that could be in terms of the people who are leaders, or it could be also in terms of thinking about the idea of what leadership looks like in the church and saying, oh, I'm not someone who wants to be a leader because we feel intimidated about that being able to say, if I embrace the idea of being like an assistant coach who's really there to support and encourage and equip people to be able to do the things that they do, does that change my perceptions of what leadership looks like for us as a church? It could be about these times when we gather together on Sundays. It might be worth taking some time this week to reflect on that and say, what is the purpose of why we gather? Is this game day or is this a training session? and what's the difference between those and what are the implications about the times that we spend together? It could be about this key goal of pursuing unity and saying how much am I focused on the things that build unity for us as a church and build unity for us with other churches and how much do I get focused on little bits and pieces that might be floating around the edges? Or it could be about this idea of growing to maturity and saying what does it look like for me to continue to embrace this reality that Jesus wants to make me more and more like him. And so as I go into this week, what are the opportunities for me to continue to grow into the person that Jesus wants me to be so that ultimately I can produce the fruit that he wants me to produce? could be something completely different that you felt challenged about this morning. We're going to give you a bit of time and background music will play. I want to encourage you to jot some thoughts down or to turn to the person next to you and have a bit of a chat, and uh, then we'll come back and we'll wrap up with a time of prayer and transition into communion. God, once again, we're so grateful for this incredible picture that you give us of what the church is supposed to be like. As we think back over these last few weeks, it's amazing to recognise how diverse and incredible the call is that you put on us to be your people as we journey together and continue to learn from you. We thank you that you call us to be something that is so much more than what we often think about what the church is like, and we pray that you would continue to stretch our thinking in the days and weeks ahead as we move on from this series, continue to challenge us about what it looks like for us to be the best version of what a church can be. We thank you for the reality, Jesus, that you are our head coach and that you always want the best for us, that you are someone who comes alongside of us, that you encourage us, that you equip us that you support us, that you do challenge us to be the best that we can be. And we thank you that that's not something that just happens when we're here together, but that as we head out into all the different places that we go throughout the week, you're with us every moment of every day. And so we ask that you would continue to help us to understand what it looks like to become more and more like you. And for us as a church, we pray that you would help us to continue to focus on these two key things that you have set before us. To be a church that focuses on what it means to pursue unity, to continue to centre ourselves around you, Jesus, to continue to be inclusive and to bring people in so that they can discover more about you, but also to be a church where we help people to grow to maturity, where we together can cheer each other on, can encourage each other, can challenge each other, can support each other and help each other to be the best version of what you created us to be individually and collectively as a church. Ultimately, we want to reflect to you, Jesus, not just to each other, but to the people that are all around us, the people in our neighbourhoods, the people that we connect with throughout the week. And so we ask that you would continue to help us to reflect on that and be challenged by that as we head into this week. In your name we pray, amen.